Welcome to Conscious Business, where entrepreneurs learn to master their mindset, conquer their fear, and step into their bigger game. Now, here's your host, Julie Zuzak. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Business and this series on situational blueprinting. We kicked off this series way, way, way back in episode 130. And to refresh your memory, and I'm sure you have this memorized by now, right? A situational blueprint is when you prepare for a future event, milestone, or challenge in your business by thinking through how you're going to handle it. Now, this is an advantage to us because we feel prepared and we feel confident to handle the challenge because when it shows up, we know exactly how we're going to handle it, right? With grace, with ease. Now, one really important thing that I want to point out when we talk about situational blueprinting is we do this for two types of things. First, we do it for positive things like big milestones, things that you're going to accomplish that are really awesome. And we also do it for challenges that you're going to face in your business. And yes, we do need to do it for both. So if we take a look at this series, we have positive things that we blueprinted for, like how to handle your mega success when your business really, really takes off. How to say no because you just have too much business that you have to turn people down. Now we've also blueprinted for some of the challenges that you have to face, like having a growth hangover, having just complete feeling of being burnt out, of screwing up, or when you have haters in your business. Now, I know you might cringe at the prospect of blueprinting for these challenges, but sadly, they are just a natural part of your path to success. Everyone has to go through them. It's a rite of passage, if you will. You will never, ever, ever, and I don't care how awesome you are, you will never be able to please all the people all the time. You just won't. So stepping into your success means that you're going to have haters. You just are. It's a natural part of your success. If you spend all your time hanging out on the couch, in your sweats, watching Netflix, then you're probably not going to have haters because you're not ever going to rub anyone the wrong way. And you're also not likely going to make much of an impact in life either. That's the trade-off of playing it safe. It's only when you really, really step up, when you really put yourself out there, when you stand up tall and proud to make a difference, that people are going to notice you. So, rather than sabotaging your success because you're just too scared to have haters or face any of the other challenges in your business, we simply blueprint for them right? We prepare ourselves for them to happen. Now, this makes much more sense, doesn't it? So blueprinting for the negative things is just as important as blueprinting for the positive things. It is. So today, we're going to blueprint for facing unhappy clients. Because as you grow, as you expand your business, this is likely something that you will have to face. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First, we're going to look at how to figure out what to do when your clients are not happy. In our second segment, we're going to talk about what you need to own and the secret to avoiding a really bad haircut. And then in our last segment, I'm going to respond to Kelsey's brilliant question that she posted in her Facebook group, what to do when clients don't pay. That's a good one. 
So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? So if you find yourself in a situation with unhappy clients, the first thing you need to do is lean in and figure out why they're unhappy. Now, you know how I always say, when in doubt, tell the truth. Well, the same thing goes for awkward conversations. Lean in and just have them. The worst thing you can do in a situation like this is to avoid it. I repeat, when you have an awkward situation, the worst thing you can do is avoid it. The tendency always to avoid awkward situations is natural to us, right? We're human. We don't want to go there. We don't want to feel that discomfort. But what I want you to do is remember two things. First, misunderstanding is typically the root of conflict and it can be easily solved by, guess what? Better communication. And secondly, remember that you don't have to have the perfect solution before you lean in to address the problem. Now, I know that one might hurt your brain a little bit, so let's explore it a little bit more. So you know that I love personalities, right? I love understanding what makes people tick. And this is the work that I do with my clients and with great teams. Now, I know that some of you are consummate problem solvers. And when you're faced with a complex problem, you want to isolate the problem, take it away, understand it, fix it. And then when you're ready, you present the solution back to the other person. And while this is a brilliant approach for some type of problems, it doesn't apply typically with interpersonal conflict for a variety of reasons. But one really big one is that the absence of acknowledging that you have conflict with another person is probably going to escalate the conflict and make it worse because what they're going to do is interpret your time away when you're off solving the problem and looking at it from every different angle. They're going to interpret that as you not caring about the problem or not taking it seriously. So remember, you don't have to have all the answers before you lean in to solve something. Part of the solution is coming together to figure it out. That's how we build relationships. Now, the other important reason to have a conversation really quickly is that your brand is an important part of your business. And referrals are the best type of clients. And the opposite of that holds true. If you have an unhappy client who is running around telling other people how unhappy they are, this can be really damaging to your brand and to your business. It's hard to undo that kind of damage. So if your client is unhappy, you need to have a conversation and figure out why right now. This is your responsibility. This is step number one, lean in and figure out why. So how do you have this conversation? Well, we make it conscious and we name it. You can say something like, I understand that you haven't been happy with the work that we're doing and I want to understand how I can fix it because your business is important to me. So ask for a meeting, a chat to fix it, go for coffee, whatever it is that you need to do. And recognize that often when there's conflict or a disconnection, it's not personal. It doesn't mean that you're not skilled. It doesn't mean that you're not talented. It doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. More often, it is just a misunderstanding about your working relationship, all right? So step number one, lean in and figure out why they are unhappy. 
Once you figure out why your client is so unhappy or what went wrong, step two is to own what you need to own. If you made a mistake, own it. If you forgot about something, own it. If you screwed up, own that you screwed up. Maybe you didn't necessarily make a mistake, but you neglected to manage a relationship as well as you could have. Trust me, I don't like having to admit that I made a mistake, but what I have learned over the years is that the quicker that you do it, the easier it is. Just rip off the bandage and admit what you did wrong. Just be authentic and own it. Remember, we all have a lot of compassion for people when they make honest mistakes. But where things really go sideways, what really, really frustrates us is when people make a mistake and then they don't own that mistake. That's where things really, really go wrong. That's where we start to do damage to relationships that is hard to undo. Okay. In many cases, when you're deciding what each of you need to take responsibility for, this is just having a really honest conversation. You're going back to your designed alliance, right? Your partnership agreement of what you originally both decided to do or to deliver. So while your contract outlines what will be delivered in terms of goods and services, your designed alliance outlines how the two of you or more of you agree to work together during that process. Now, if you can't remember what the heck I'm talking about with the Designed Alliance, it's okay. Head back and check out episode number 86. In that episode, we talked exactly what a Designed Alliance was, why you need to do it, and how you need to create one. Now, a Designed Alliance is by no means static. You establish it at the start of your working arrangement, but then it evolves as you work together. So for example, you might have agreed to give updates at the end of each week, but then you notice that this This happened this week, actually. A client told me about this issue they were having with their clients. They noticed that this person was emailing them every day with specific questions and wanting an update on progress. Well, that's a red flag. Chances are that you need to find a different way to communicate because they may want more regular updates on progress or they may have stressors coming at them in another direction outside of you. So maybe you can use a collaboration tool. Maybe you can find another way to chart your daily progress. Remember, there's no right or wrong way to communicate. You have to decide what is going to work best between you and your client. And this is exactly why we create a designed alliance at the start of a project to ask them what they want. And then we check in on it throughout the entire relationship. Now, there's a chance that your client may have unrealistic expectations of you. Now this might be their fault because maybe they're high maintenance. Or maybe it might be your fault because you haven't set clear boundaries. So let's use the example of working in evenings and weekends, right? In off-peak business hours. Because I know this one comes up a lot for my clients. Now, as a general rule for me, I try really hard to unplug on the weekends. I don't do work unless I really, really have to. But sometimes I do work a little bit. I'll send out the odd email. And so that can be kind of confusing. So what I've set up with my clients is that they know they can email me over the weekend, but I don't always respond until Monday. I can't guarantee that I'm going to respond unless, of course, it's an emergency. Again, there's no right or wrong, but you have to decide what is important to you and make that agreement together, all right? 
Now, whatever your boundary is, you have to set it. It's your responsibility to educate and enforce it. And that's a great tweetable. If it's your boundary, it's your responsibility to educate and to enforce it. Now, there's one more unhappy example I wanted to share, and this is the whole haircut thing. So I wanted to share this because I see it happen a lot, and because I have a background in marketing and communications, I get to avoid this one. But people who haven't had that experience working in design and marketing, they have no idea how to see this one coming. So I'm talking about creative services, about your logo, branding, website, anything that you're having designed or created for your business or your brand. So you know how when you go to get a haircut and you try to explain what you want your hair to look like and your hairdresser busts out a bunch of magazines and then you flip through and they specifically ask you to pick out a haircut that you want. Well, they're not just doing this for fun. They're actually being really, really smart when they do this. Because you see, most of us are really rubbish at explaining what we want. We have this idea in our mind, we can visualize it, but that doesn't always match up with what we ask for or what we explain. So having a picture of that new haircut on someone else is really important because it makes sure that we're on the exact same page before they bust out their scissors, right? So creative services are the exact same way. You have to be crystal clear about what you want and what you don't want. We do this with a creative brief or a project brief. And this is really simply a one or two page document about what you do want to see and what you don't want to see. It explains what you want people to feel, what you want them to think, what colors you like, what colors you don't like. Now, don't expect your designer to read your mind, write it down, and create a project brief or a creative brief. I never, ever, ever do any design project without a brief. And I was literally just on the phone this morning with a client, and we were going through a creative brief for her new website. And it's really, really, really important, especially with a website, to include examples of websites that you do like and ones that you don't like, and then explain what you like about each of them, all right? All right, in this segment, I wanna respond to Kelsey's question. So I put a shout out way back in episode 130. What do you guys want help creating a situational blueprint for? Now, she had a brilliant question, and she said, What do you do when your client doesn't pay? And that is such a great question. So here's the deal. First off, you have to find out why they aren't paying because this might happen for a variety of reasons. First, it could be that they're unhappy with your service and so they are withholding payment because they are not happy. Second, it could be that you weren't clear about the payment terms and payment is taking longer than you wanted it to. Three, it could be sticker shock, right? Meaning that the invoice that they received was for more money than they expected, and so that's why they're not paying it. Or it could be that you haven't done the proper job following up on the invoice, or maybe they don't even have the invoice, could have gotten lost in a spam filter, and they don't even know that you're waiting for payment. 
So each of those scenarios are very different, but those are probably the four most common things. So let's go through each one of them and give you some ideas and tools. And there's gonna be a little bit of tough love in here, okay? So get ready. If they're not paying for reason one, number one, which is they're not happy with the service that you delivered, then it's time for a really courageous conversation. And this needs to be a two-way conversation. You need to listen and talk. You need to hear both sides of the conversation because they may have interpreted something differently than you did or what you meant it. So conflict resolution 101, we call this bilateral ventilation. I know it's a fancy term. It just means everybody gets to have a voice and you need to hear, not just talk. Basically, you're looking at different perspectives on the situation. So we do this to understand. We do this to have empathy, to see things from the other person's perspective. And then what you do is you go back and reference what the original agreement was. You find alignment as to what you both agreed to. And then the third piece is deciding how you're gonna handle things going forward. Now, I believe that if you have a strong enough designed alliance with your client, if you understand their expectations, then you should never, ever, ever run into this issue of someone not paying because they're not happy. All right, reason number two was you weren't clear about payment terms. So if they're not paying you when you want because you weren't clear about when you wanted to be paid, then guess what? This is tough love. This is your fault. If you want your invoice paid in a specific time frame, then you need to communicate this at the start of your working relationship. Now, this is probably a mistake that you won't have to make twice. We learned this one pretty quickly. Your client cannot read your mind, and so it's your responsibility to define this and get acceptance at the start of the relationship. So when you go into a new business relationship, you're making a contract with this person, right? You have an expectation of each other about what you're going to do in terms of work. You also need to be clear on the payment terms. So some businesses pay net 60 or net 90, which references the number of days that they get to take before they pay you. And typically, the larger the organization, the longer the payment terms, right? So it's not uncommon for really large organizations to pay net 90, which means they have three months before they have to pay you. Now, there isn't a right or a wrong way, but you need to get clear on what your expected payment terms are before you go into this relationship together. And you need to do this to avoid conflict down the road. So I try to avoid this completely because I just require payment upfront before I deliver services. But that's really common in the coaching industry, luckily for me. But I know that not all industries work that way. But you do have lots of options. You could ask for a percentage or half amount before you do any work. You could also ask or design a penalty payment if the payment is late. Right, But again, this has to be something that you both agree to and you're clear about at the start of the working relationship. Reason number three, there is sticker shock and the invoice that showed up is more than what they thought it would be. Well, guess what? This is more tough love because this is your fault, not your client's. If your client is surprised at what their invoice says, and that means that you have not done a good job at managing the relationship or keeping them in the loop about the work that you're doing. Now, 
They should ideally sign off on amount before you engage together or know what those terms are. There's also a term that we use called in business called scope creep, which means that what you originally agreed to as the project changes along the way. (laughs) Now this is fine, but if it requires extra work to be done or different type of work to be done and it makes the project more expensive, then guess what? Before you shift gears to do that extra work or go in that new direction, you have to get them to sign off on this revised cost. It's really important. This is your responsibility to get clarity. Scope creep, write it down. Number four, communication. So if you haven't followed up on your invoice, if the invoice was maybe flagged as spam, this is essentially miscommunication. Guess what? This is your responsibility too. You own the relationship. So don't be shy about following up with them. If payment is a priority, let them know and get a commitment for them as to when they're going to pay it. All right? So thanks for that awesome question, Kelsey. I know that there are a lot of other people that were struggling with that, or if they haven't, they may just be able to prevent it in the future. So thank you for bringing that question to the table. And I think we all make a lot of assumptions when we go into business that our clients know what's going on inside our head. We think that they know what our expectations are, but they can't read our mind. So if something is important to you, make sure that you communicate it. And owning that relationship is our responsibility. Remember that. Okay, for inspiration today, I'm going to bust out a sports reference as a teachable moment. Are you ready? The best defense is a good offense, which means that the best, in my humble opinion, the best way to deal with unhappy clients is to make sure that you never have unhappy clients. Now, I love the old-fashioned belief of under-promising and over-delivering. So don't be afraid and don't be shy to ask your client, what would be an extraordinary service experience with me that would make you want to tell everyone about our work together? And remember, episode 86, go back and listen to that if you don't remember how to create a designed alliance. Check out that episode again. Have a clear expectation. Ask for what you want and set boundaries. Your boundaries, your responsibility. Do your best to always make sure that your clients are happy and make sure that you're working with the right clients because if you're not, you won't be able to do your best work. Do everything you can to keep them happy. Get clarity on their expectations. Do regular check-ins and redesign your alliance if you need to. And if your client isn't willing to give you a referral, well, this is a red flag and you need to dig in lean in, have a courageous conversation, and find out why. And remember, relationships are the root of all business transactions. So if you're looking for more business transactions, then it's time for you, my friend, to invest in more relationships. Thanks for hanging out with The Corporate Yogi. Remember, being an entrepreneur can be intense and isolating at times. Don't do it alone. Become part of Julie's Facebook group called Conscious Business. And if you're really serious about growing your biz, visit thecorporateyogi.com and book a free strategy session with Julie today.